The face of Latina professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today I'm joined by Margarita Quinones Peña, engineer, author, and yoga instructor. Margarita, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. No, what a pleasure. It's been getting to know you and also from um, how we met. It's very cool. We met yes. at Latina Expo 2023 here in Chicago um, just about a month ago now. That's right. And so many like really cool, inspiring people at Latina Expo that I've kept in touch with. I don't know about you, but. Oh, yeah. You had your own table there. You were a sponsor mm-hmm. and um, you were promoting your book which is a children's book, right? That's right. But it is a story of your life and the story of an immigrant. Um, yeah, autobiography. And, yeah, an autobiography, <laughs> right? But also just uh, a story of also resilience, overcoming, enduring, and and, and it's still something that, um, you know, it, it, your story's still being written, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> It's right. only a part of it. But I would love for you to tell me where, you know, you grew up and how you identify with being Latina. Yeah, that's right. So, Whew, I'm going to try to keep that as short as possible, but um, I am from Durango, Mexico. That's where I was born. Um, I came to the United States via, um, you know, crossing the desert with my mother uh, when I was just three years old. You know. You know, casually. <laughs> yeah. The Latina totally story. Yeah. Um, and uh, moved to Chicago directly. Um, was raised in Little Village in the southwest side of Chicago. Um, your, 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 your classic... Um, first gen slash immigrant confusion of a Latina, but mm-hmm. very much that. Like that's that's how I identify still um, as an immigrant. I'm a dreamer. Um, dreamers are uh, any recipients of uh, DACA status, which uh, DACA is, you know, um, a permission to be here in this country um, with a work permit and um, a waiver of deportation. Um, it still doesn't necessarily mean much else outside of that. Like I still can't travel. I still can't vote. Um, definitely can pay taxes, but I definitely can't get taxes back. That yeah, that's that's summary of of how I am here in front of you now from Mexico. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know we were talking just about like the the why of things, right? And and how things come to be. And yeah. you know for you it's also been a very almost uh, uh, I don't know just a, a different experience I think because you on one end I'm assuming you you get taken for well maybe I'm not assuming I know that you do you know get it. taken for white right like <laughs> yeah. and there's this 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 judgment or this uh, prejudice that comes mm-hmm. over that right with you know someone looks at you and they think something totally different and yeah. you know it comes with also that it it does create a different experience for you than mm-hmm. someone who doesn't you mm-hmm. know look like you so for you it just seems that you're brought back into this place of really connecting with this other side of your culture and appreciating those things that um, you know, if I may share that you were mentioned, maybe easy to take for granted. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I'd just love for you to tell us a little bit about that and just how, you know, you you have been able to live out this dream, but it comes with this humility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, privilege, right? Privilege, all around privilege. And and I, it took me a lot of years and a lot of growth to to just acknowledge that um, the the light skin Latina, the you know. Um, whites again (laughs) um you know it was it was very um humbling to get called out i think this was maybe like two three years ago this is around the COVID uh blm movement 
um, just because I'm undocumented, you know, doesn't necessarily make me a person of color or doesn't necessarily mean that I understand that one struggle versus another. And that's actually an experience that I had when publishing the book. Um, one of a uh, very, very pr- predominant um, publisher is originally who picked up my book and, and they were very um, adamant about the diversity and inclusion portion of it and and why they really wanted to back me up in the story, even though I was a very unexperienced author. And, you know, um, I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, this publisher cares about little old me and like undocumented stories and this is so great. But like, uh, you know, the the closer we got to like our publishing deadline and 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 going through like the marketing efforts, the more that it was being suggested that I pull out certain parts of my story, um, but very specifically to change the illustrations of the children in my book to seem more like a traditional undocumented person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so brown skin, brown hair. Like it doesn't make sense that there is a white girl on the front cover of this. Um, in so many words is what was said to me. Um, and I stood my ground on that because I, you know, it's my story, like there's no changing of my story. And there was also like an, an additional, and then it turned into like, how about we, instead of having those graphic images of you crossing or running through the border, how about we just make this a story about moving? You know, like so many children can relate to moving, you know, from one city to another, from one state to another, from one country to another. We don't have to talk about the ugly part of, you know, there is, uh, I think the most explicit picture, explicit in quotes, would be the one of uh, my my mother raising the fence while we're you know the other children are crawling under it. That's one picture in the book that they were very concerned about, and I understand you know like publishers, especially as big ones, um, have a lot of backings and a lot of people they have to like um, appease. Appease exactly, yeah. and but I don't. <laughs> the people that I have, <laughs> the people that I'm appeasing are my people, are our immigrants, and it doesn't help anyone by erasing that there are white Mexicans across the border, not to say that we don't have enough uh, visibility or we're not already the predominant um, Latino um, in, in television um, or in books and in stories, but also like it would entirely change the authenticity of of why I'm doing this, you know, and it changes every, every time I'm having a conversation like this, like the conversation that I'm having when it's no longer about me now, I'm just telling a story just to tell a story. And, you know, that's that's very much the journey of the white Latina uh, behind it, you know, and, and, and a lot of interviews that I've had, especially news um, new, news sources, they always get so fixated on that part. They're like, all right, but like, come on, it's, it's different for you, right? And it's like, uh, no, it's not, you know, there is more privilege, of course, in, in being more assimilated and looking a certain way, but that doesn't give me a voting right. You know, it doesn't give, it doesn't change my legal status in any way, shape or form. So this is the truth and this is just what it is, you know. And it doesn't change the way you were brought up either. Because we're talking about just culturally, um, it's it's the same for all of us, Mm -hmm. right? No matter Mm -hmm. how you look. And you're Mm -hmm. in the same uh, household with, or, or family with others who look probably very different than you. Yeah. Like you're, you're the, ex- the exception, That's right. right? Yeah. And so you grow up with this sense of identifying not with the person that you look at in the mirror, mm-hmm. but that you look at on a regular basis that isn't you, which is your family. And you're exactly. like, that's who I am. This is who I identify with. So like for you, the idea of being Latina, because, you know, for a lot of people who come to this country, they've never heard of the term Latino or Latina. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're Mexican or you're Puerto Rican or you're Honduran, whatever it is. For you, what was it like hearing that term and identifying with that or not identifying with that? Like, what was it like? Oh my gosh, I loved it. Yeah. I, I love the term Latina. I think I, I it took me a long time also to just educate myself on the difference between Hispanic, Latina, and all those things. And as soon as 
I understood, you know, Latina, Latinidad in, in its definition, I was like, thank God, like there's, <laughs> there's something that I can um, articulate myself with because I, again, can't articulate that I'm a person of color because I'm light-skinned, <laughs> but I am a Mexican immigrant woman with my struggles. How can I identify that in a way that I can build community, you know, and my Latinidad is where I, where I have built my community off of, you know, my, my, um, my yoga organization is the Latina Sweat Project, like very specifically um, to the, a specific community, obviously not limiting to a specific race, it's, it's um, sorry, ethnicity, um, but very much focusing on, on that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and, you know, I guess when I hear the, these stories, right, and yeah. the way it's it's always about a sense of, one, finding acceptance, right? And it starts with yourself, though. That's and, right. and And for you, it seems like that's kind of been a, an evolution as well, right? Yeah. And and what would you tell especially younger women who are going through that or, or, or when it comes to that acceptance or identity, right? What How, how do you go about really... Yeah, what's that journey like, and how do you how do you begin it? What are you looking for? What are those things that are important that, that you would give advice on? You know, I it's, it's really um, interesting that you asked that because I didn't realize <laughs> that by writing my story, I was in a sense healing. I or by by sharing this, you know, it, this came to me originally as you know it was going to be a gift to my mother. My mother then was like. Thank you so much for this gift. This is beautiful, but please don't publish this. Uh, to then feeling like compelled to to publish this in representation of the migrants that are here, and so I, I had like a thousand and one reasons why I was publishing them this book, and none of them were for myself mm. or or to accept or to heal or to connect. Um, and it was in the once the book was published, in the conversations that I'm having, in the people that I'm connecting with. When I was actually one person at the Latina Expo who who raised her hand at the um, Latinas in Publishing panel. And she said to me, she said, do you realize that you're healing through this? Like, do you realize that every time you tell this story, you're healing? And it was like, it's like free therapy. I was sitting in this panel and I was like, I had this breakthrough moment. Like, oh my gosh, you're so right. The more times I talk about my story, the more times I say the, the thousand and one reasons why I'm doing this, the more that I'm repeating to myself why it's okay to be myself why I'm enough, you know, and I, you know, the advice that I give wouldn't necessarily be like, find it or, or go chase it. It would be find your, what does move you, find what what purpose, what does get you to to show up. And from there, you know, the, the all the all the pieces fall, fall into place. Um, it's something that I didn't seek. And it just kind of slowly, slowly, slowly came to me. Um, more recently, I, I was, I was a speaker at a at a factory in, in Little Village called La Authentico Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they own multiple warehouses, so they do like, you know, the, uh, tostadas, they do the Guadalupana chorizo, they do like all kinds of, you know, Mexican products, and um, they gather them in front of me, um, and it was about 175 people, and it was all the, the line workers that were there, and of course, at first, like everyone gives you that look, like what the heck does this white girl know about anything, you know? And then I started sharing my story, and I started sharing, um, where I come from, like my struggles, how I had sat in their shoes before. I was a line worker once before. Um, oh, wow. Is when they start looking at me like, wait, what? You know, and as they each had a copy of my book in their hand, I ask them, just just flip to the one page. Just flip to the one page where you see me running through the border because I think that we, ha- I personally, as an immigrant woman, have never seen that 
in an illustration. I had never seen that, like just in a standstill, you know, especially just children, because my mom was led by our, our coyote was an eight year old child. I was three, and my sister was four, so it was all oh children. And she was on her third trimester, so she was just being led by children. So just like um, this this moment, this this picture that they saw, and they looked at me, and I can tell that like something different. They were looking at me in a very different way. And shortly after, you know, a woman asked if I can sign her book. Um, I was like, absolutely, would love to sign your book. But in my my version of that was like, I would love to connect with you, you know, so whatever it is. So um, I'm so grateful and blessed that like shortly after there was like this huge line around the corner of everyone wanting their book signed. And one by one, I'm hearing like their stories, their versions that obviously you can't just raise your hand and go me too at your job, you know, but one by one, they're like, you so said de Veracruz and my trip was this long. And like, I ran for this many hours and just like slowly but surely everyone that's telling me their story i'm just like more and more and more empowered and like they are not doing this for me you know like they're just they're just like wow i just saw this thing and this is incredible that there's a presentation and i am the one that's getting all the benefit from this it's just like so incredible to like heal and and find yourself through that but like the empowerment that we all have through that community right that like shared suffering that shared struggle but like, hey, we're not victims. Like, look how incredible this is. Look how incredible, like, these opportunities that are in front of us are now, you know? And it doesn't come without a challenge for you, though, because oh. <laughs> as uh, even sharing the story, right? Yeah. So obviously hearing your mom say that you had to make the choice of saying, no, this is for me and I'm going to do it. Yeah. But then even as you were sharing before, um, when we had first met, that you got a lot of backlash from oh, people as, as you shared your story, right? Yeah. And yeah. angry Karens of the world exactly. calling you or hate yeah. mails and like, I have friends, not friends, I mean, I'm using the word friends loosely, but I have people that know my name in Oklahoma and I have never, you know, stuff foot kind of thing. Like it's it's this hatred that really moves people. I, I just, I wish that that would be this, the same for the opposite, you know? Like I wish that the same way that I have an entire mailbox full of hate mail, hmm. I would have an entire mailbox full of people saying like, how can I help? You know, it's, it doesn't work that way yet. Um, but yeah, of course, like there's, not just backlash like my LinkedIn I took that down <laughs> because people were posting things like go back to Mexico does wow. your does your employer know um I'm gonna make sure that your HR knows like of course my HR knows like how else would I be hired right now but it's it's very much like very intentional and and very malicious malicious wording and very like it's almost like they know <laughs> how scared and insecure I am about this you know so it takes the 175 people from this factory to, to pick me back up from the two comments from my Fox News interview, for example. You know, it's just, it takes that much, but that's, you know, that also just speaks to our resilience, of, specifically to the Latino culture and to like that connection, you know, like that just means that much when there is a story out there that people can relate to. No, and and actually there's there's like now, I saw something recently, like the, the scientific evidence behind how many times um, it takes, like how many positive thoughts or comments to counteract one negative one. Oh my gosh, what's and the number? 17, I think it is. Oh gosh. Yeah, like 16 or 17 that or whatever adds it was. Up. Yeah, it adds up. And so, yeah, if you can hear one negative thing and, you know, 15 mm -hmm. times later, if you hear something positive, it's still not enough, yeah. right? That you need that 16, 17, one. And, you know, so yeah, and, and you're right. There is a certain level of resilience as we were talking about. Like, what is it about being, I mean, for you and me both, it's being Latino is one thing, but we're Mexican, right? That's yeah. what, what we identify with. And just saying, um, well, identify with, that's who we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we are, right? All of it. Yeah, all of it. I know uh, Mexicans yeah. don't identify. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, we'll talk about a whole them later. Nother, yeah. <laughs> a whole nother <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, you know, that um, 
there's just an inherent struggle with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that we get told and, you know, that whatever it is, that, that even earning a living has to be difficult. Yes. That, you know, earning a dollar is not the same for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. That it, we struggle more to earn that one dollar. That's right. So, so how, do you, how have you kind of taken that and, you know, turned it into something more positive where you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be that way, it doesn't come without its challenges, but that, you know, there is, there is more to, to life than the struggles that, that we seem to be told are just, that's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very much a product of my community. And by community, I don't, I don't just mean like La Villita or I don't mean like Latinidad. I mean like the people that are around me. You know, I think um, there was a lot, a lot of years in my life where I didn't feel like everything was a triumph. I, and I saw everything as um, me being victimized. I'm the victim and it's so easy to fall into that especially when you're surrounded by people that also feel that way or everything's a negative or everything's a downside or everything's an attack. Um, It very much took me actively surrounding myself with positive thinkers, positive speakers, and then changing my own language of myself, you know, and and changing the the language of how I refer to my family, how I refer to my upbringings. So like there is this you know, what I call the the BC and the AC, the before Christ, after Christ. For me, it was very much like, you know, the before Christ for me was that shame, that like not talking about my immigrantness, not talking about my undocumentedness, the like assimilation version of myself, where the more, the most that I, the more that I can distance myself from that, the better. Um, and then there's the, there's the after where like I felt empowered by seeing these things. And in this, in this before, it was very much a product of where, the way I was surrounding myself, the things I was doing, the activities I was choosing to t- partake in, that very much fed into my victimness in my mind or like feeling like it's everyone else's responsibility but my own. And then there's the after where like when you're actively sitting next to the people intentionally, um, that is what shifted for me, you know, that, that um, finding the resilience and everything finding every issue, every problem, every trauma as an opportunity for like, okay, well, what, what is this? What am I supposed to be learning from this? Like, I, this is terrible, terrible, but I'm not going to focus on how sad I am right now. I want to focus on like, where, where is this leading me to? Like, what is this, op- what door is opening up now that this is closed? You know, and that's very much something that you actively have to seek. It doesn't just come to you. It's so easy to fall into the non-resilient side, you know, but uh, lucky for us, specifically in the Mexican culture, it's 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 ground on you. Like even if you're sad, like oh, you're just sad. I mean, you could be depressed, obviously, <laughs> but you're like, no, you're just sad. Get up and keep going. So we actually have a positivity. There is a, an upside to that. Is that like we are not <laughs> the type to dwell in, in sad or, or tough moments, you know? So like that helped me a lot too. Just my culture and the way that my parents were always like, "Chinga su madre, let's keep going," you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's true. Like there's always something worse, right? Mm-hmm. And you get always. reminded of that. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you're feeling sad? Really? Let yeah. me tell you about my life. I walked to school yeah, yeah, yeah. barefoot. Like, no, yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, okay, mom. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was carrying the horse and I right. wasn't riding it. Yeah. Right, yeah, I bet. <laughs> no, and, and that's something that, that, yeah, it is It is part of our culture. It is this resilience, right? But now how have you like, turned this into more of uh, the human story? Because there's an other part of it, right? That this isn't just the um, the immigrant story as much mm-hmm. as like you're saying you're being human, right? And right. Like how have you 
learn more about yourself through this about really you know who who you really are your true you know self that 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 deeper question right that uh, we're having a long conversation about yeah. like what is that you know how does what does that look like to you what is this this journey that you've been on more part of that greater identity than just this existence right like what is it that you're learning through all this hi oh gosh i i'm learning purpose you know purpose is is this like ongoing theme ever since not just publishing the book but ever since i decided to when it comes to yoga when i decided to start sharing my yoga practice with my community specifically um purpose came out of that and again again very incidentally very like not necessarily um intentionally searching for it but the more experiences and the more times that i spend with community and the, the more times that i spend doing the things that i love and that I'm actively feeling empowered by, it's just like, it comes hand in hand with all of a sudden it's like, this is why I'm here. Mm. I'm here not just to represent undocumented and immigrant people, but also to represent like love and light and community in, in all aspects, you know? And, and that's that's kind of like the message, the ongoing mission through everything that I do. And what's been, you know, in terms of that, the most successful way that you've approached that community part of it, you know, is it just, the fact that you've been sharing your story that has been the, the catalyst for that connection with people? Yes, and but also I think um, providing resources, man, that just goes such a long way. I think um, it's so easy to talk the talk, but like walking the walk has really built my community. You know, it, it, it started for me when it comes to, I mean, this is all encompassing. So when I first decided to start practicing or sharing my practice with my community, I actually went specifically to Cook County Jail. I went to Cook County Jail and that's, um, I asked for permission, hey, can I just come and teach once in a while? Had to go through a long, arduous process, but eventually I was allowed to go in once a month. Um, And I was going in once a month and I was only allowed to practice um, in the women's section and very specifically to women who had served more than 10 years and were on their way out. This is a very specific niche group like that, I, that I'm transitioning out. Yeah, oh. this is very specifically who I was allowed to because a lot of politics be, be, between that, but also th- th- it was approved as a as a as a resource for um, helping the women once they were out how to deal with their stress or how to deal with breath movement, all that. And it was in working with them where one woman asked, "Hey, um, what can I do after this? Like, what you know?" Once I'm out of here, where can I see you? Where can I find you? And one of the very strict, obvious, bold capital <laughs> letters is you can't even give out your name. You can't even give out your mm. nothing, like no information mm-hmm. about you. Obviously, like for a lot of reasons. But um, and I and I kept thinking to myself, like, yes, there are rules for why I can't share my own information. But even if I'm not trying to share my own information, there is no resource for her. Right. There is nowhere for her to go. Yeah. And I just took that so personally um and I, and I and I took that so personally because at the time I was living in such a privileged lifestyle I was you know at the yoga studio every day because I just had time to and practicing with my partner every day because we just could and and yoga wasn't something that I was reaching was was doing because I needed it I was doing it because it was just a passive cool fun trendy thing that was going on and so that was like my first like wake up of like how much my community needs me <laughs> Yeah, you know that that's the funnel, and I don't. I don't think, I, and by that I don't mean I need to be the instructor. It's like I have the resources, and I need to find a way. And like slowly but surely, I mean, I've been practicing and teaching for over a decade at this point. But that 
the the first time that I taught at Kakanajia was seven years ago. Oh, and wow. so I've been doing the work silently. I've been going in, you know, Little Village High School, this is my third year with them. Like all these things, you build that community through action. And then now that there's, you know, a spotlight on it, now that there's media on it, like there is so much work to back up what the media is showing that I think that on its own also builds that trust. And everyone wants to be a part of it which is so beautiful seeing like how many people want to be engaged now and I, you know for better or worse it's okay that like it's okay that people want to be involved with it now because it's trendy and cool <laughs> I, I have no problem with that like if you want to tag it on instagram go for it if you want to like take a picture of yourself doing something good in your community go for it just like just do it though you yeah, know that's it yeah. just take the steps walk the walk and that is what for me i think is where i have my community now this is where i have my following this is where i have like i've built the trust Absolutely. And so what's next for you? What uh, what can we look forward to, support you, encourage you in? Yeah, thanks for asking. For me, um, it is building more Latina instructors. Like that's, that is my very straight goal. Um, and that includes the migrants, you know, um, that that's not explicit to the girls in my yoga group or the girls that want to be certified for yoga um, that are already practicing. This is like literally going into the centers and introducing yoga and seeing who wants to be involved because like to me, it changed my life. Um, I practiced and taught yoga prior to having DACA when I was undocumented and illegal here. Um, and that's something that I could do legally. Um, and so that resource is like important to me to give to that community and also to the first generation Latinas, also to everyone that lives in an, a lower income neighborhood. I mean, anyone that falls into the Latina category is very much my mission coming up next. So what you have to look forward to is 2025, 300 new instructors all over your community. You're going to be so sick of how many free yoga classes are laying around neighborhoods. That's amazing. That's it. That's amazing. <laughs> and so how can people follow, um, support, subscribe, yes. all that good stuff online? Uh, please uh, check us out on latinasweatproject.com. Um, on there, you can see any pop-up we have coming up. Uh, we are also going to start posting the classes of the Latina instructors that we already have. Um, and then just, all, you know, our, our Instagram, also latinasweatproject. Um, where we post um, what we are doing with 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 our resources that we we do collect. It's amazing. Well, Margarita, I really am grateful to have met you, but also that you know you shared your story not only here, but that you're doing it actively, um, especially through a book. Very cool. Thank you so um, much. And just being a part of this community. I really appreciate the time and the platform as always. So thank you so much, Tony. It's so great meeting you.